Hello and welcome to the Rethink Energy podcast, where the Rethink Energy team are going to talk about the technology behind this week's energy news. I'm CEO Peter White. We've got with us editor Bogdan Avramuta. Hello, everybody. And solar analyst uh, Andreas Vontanar, uh, who's from, from Australia, and EV and battery analyst Connor Watts. Hello. Okay, all, all the discussion is built around the stories published last night on our weekly analysis subscription service. If you're not a subscriber, you should consider it. It's not that expensive. Go to rethinkresearch.biz. If you click on energy, you'll have something pop up asking you if you'd like a free trial. This week, we hear that the Department of Defense has more than doubled financial support of Linus Rare Earths in Texas. It's going to spend $258 million, and the whole idea is to challenge China's dominance of rare earth metal production, in particular materials like neodymium and praseodymium, key to producing magnets for electric motors. We'll then talk about how Germany's hydrogen ambition has suddenly also just doubled to 10 gigawatt of electrolyzers by 2030. And we ask, could First Solar now, which has doubled its value in the last 12 months, become the Tesla of the US solar market? And then finally, I'll ask a few questions about one or two of the shorter items. But first, Connor, uh, the DOD is chasing rare earth metals. Tell us about that. Yes. Now, while this isn't explicitly for the electric vehicle sector, it will impact it fairly significantly due to the reliance of most automakers on rare earths for electric vehicle motors. Anyway, what's happened is Linus Rare Earths is looking to set up a rare earth processing plant in Texas. They're setting up a light rare earth metal processing plant and a heavy rare earth metal processing plant. For the light rare earth metal processing plant, it has already received a 30 million, I believe they split the costs 50-50 with the DOD to work on that plant. It then received an increased grant of 120 million, and this has now doubled. But this is for the heavy rare earth separating plant, which will be the first one outside of China, and it expects to be online in 2025. All of this expects to be online and producing output. And what has Linus done? What has Linus done to convince the Department of Defense? that it's capable of producing much of the, the heavy rare earth metals that the American needs for, not just, as you say, for, um, for the, the, the battery market uh, and, the, and the, energy, the EV market, but also for other uh, technical sectors. Well, so the Department of Defense is primarily interested in the military applications, as would make sense. The process of separating rare earth metals isn't actually particularly complicated. It's just messy. And so it has a good understanding. It has its own project in Western Australia called the Kalgoorlie Project, which is um, primarily... So is Linus an Australian company, not an American company? Yes, it is. But that's it's able to support Australian companies in what they're doing. And, well, the Department of Defense is soon going to be able to um, invest directly in projects in Australia if the US-Australia Critical Minerals Compact has anything to say. That was maybe two months ago. That was looking at designating Australia and possibly the UK as a domestic source, which is what it considers Canada at the moment, and only Canada. 
So it has the expertise necessary to do so. There have been some delays, but the US DOD throwing more money at this. So the increased um, financial commitment is to underwrite completely the construction costs of the entire heavy rail earth metal I'm, processing I'm, I've facility. got to say that there might be a few Republicans around saying, hold on, why are you giving a quarter of a billion dollars to a foreign company uh, to to fully underwrite their costs? And what is that their government, what is their government, Australia's government, doing to help? And of course, the answer is the DOD can do whatever it feels is necessary. And in that this entire move is designed to reduce reliance on China. So the Republicans tend to be a fan of that, even if it does mean funding a Western Australian okay. company. It also isn't like they're funding the Europeans or somebody they like to use as an additional enemy when they need one. In the end of it, I don't see any massive political divide affecting this. Okay, okay. so... Um... All right. Well, well, we'll watch this with interest. See how much the um, uh, EV market uh, benefits from this, even if it does initially be uh, military uh, vehicles first and foremost. Okay. So, um, uh, but but a lot of this will be munitions and and, and powering missiles. And... It'll be things like munitions and radar. And... Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So, okay. Um, let's just move ahead. The um... We're going to go to Germany now, uh, Bogdan. You've told us that Germany's hydrogen ambition has gone from five gigawatts of electrolysis to 10 overnight. Can can we explain that? Yes, sure. So, I mean, the reason I wanted to shine some light on this story is because when we released our hydrogen forecast to 2050 a few months ago, the general response that we got back from people was that it was too ambitious, that we forecasted too much. Um, and but now Germany increased its 2030 target for electrolysis capacity from 5 gigawatts to 10 gigawatts, so they doubled it, which is significantly close to the 14 or 15 gigawatts that we predicted. And obviously, it's seven years to go, so <laughs> they updated so, so, again. <laughs> so, so, you and I, have, uh, you know, we, we, we spent a long time thinking about uh, how aggressive to be on the hydrogen forecast, and I said, well, these these forecasts, as we publish them, are low and conservative, but at least they're believable. And now it's, mm. it, it seems that they're not even conservative, they're just bang on. Yeah, pretty much, uh, pretty much. But I guess this is the this is the deal with such a kind of a new industry, the green hydrogen industry, and people getting on board with it. There's still a lot of skepticism out there, still a lot of you know cheap comments thrown around like, oh, there's not going to be enough infrastructure build which they're just empty statements, which only makes sense because infrastructure yeah. always gets built. Yeah, well, when you've got $350 billion that's been earmarked for projects, mm. hydrogen projects around the world, people say, oh, yeah, but they might not spend all of that. No, they might not. They may only spend half that, <laughs> in which case it will <laughs> still be one of the biggest gold rushes uh, known to mankind. So, um, exactly. you, you know, you can't say sit there saying, well, let's not move first, just in case no one else does it and the price mm. of hydrogen doesn't come down. Because if you move last, you, you, that's precisely where you'll come uh, last. So is the, is the obstacle to hydrogen, uh, the, the hydrogen boom really starting, is that that it's not yet uh, at an appealing price and in order to get there, it has to scale up and benefit from scale first? I think that's, that's a bulk of it, yeah. 
Yeah, that that is the bulk of it. I mean, they, the other part of it is solving some of the puzzles. You know, there are some engineering yeah. difficulties in doing some of these things, and 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 also if some, one person solves a puzzle, like they know how to build a pipeline or they know how to uh, uh, convert a, a natural gas pipeline quickly, then that doesn't mean somebody else, you know, that someone else has solved the puzzle because and so so the experience and the know how has got to spread, but. Yeah, I mean, it, it will take time, it, but it's it, there's money hurrying it along. Yeah, in a sense, everybody is still trying to figure out the best uh, solution for their own project. And it's, I guess, a mixture of, you know, looking over the fence of what the neighbors are doing, or are they being like a pipeline? Are they doing this or that? Should we do the same as them? Should we, should we take a risk? And it's about just people, I guess we've seen it in the last couple of months, people started committing you know, to their own ideas and, you know, their companies, I guess, feeling more safe these days to um, just commit to transportation methods or projects, off-takers. Uh, it's all a complex puzzle. So where does this place Germany in terms of its aspirations in hydrogen, say, relative to the rest of Europe and then relative to the rest of the world? Pretty high. I mean, as part of our forecast, we said... Places like France and Spain, Portugal as well, those will be really well placed to um, kind of lead in terms of raw electrolysis capacity. But that's just kind of half the story because Europe's going to import a lot of hydrogen. And just last week, Germany signed a new deal with South Africa to ex essentially explore ways to produce cheap green hydrogen in, in South Africa and, and ship it to uh, to Europe. Well, let's, not, let's hope that the electricity doesn't come from coal on that one. <laughs> no, the whole basis of it is, you know, building wind and solar. So, uh, Yeah, I mean, I think with their industrial base, you know, across Europe, there's no country like them. Um, their industrial base is going to be left high and dry and heavily carbon committed if they don't pile into hydrogen. They've piled into hydrogen. They're not they're not a, a country that's afraid of making change. They've they've committed to it. Um, the the more determined people see Germany, the more the more they're likely to build something in their own backyard and sell it to Germany. And mm -hmm. the more experience we get, the more momentum goes into hydrogen. Which is which is what we've argued. We've argued that yeah, so far, you know that much that much money has not been spent. It's been promised, but if if you fail to spend it, you, you, your your place in the queue goes to someone else. So, and this is one of the main gold rushes going on. Battery, obviously, and solar as well. But it's one of the other main gold rushes that's going on in renewables. And if if you don't take a punt. Nobody else is going to lend you the money. This is not a venture capital area. This is where big industrials and countries and governments get involved in making this happen. Okay. All right. Well, we keep, you know, we're monitoring all the hydrogen stuff. If, if you are in the hydrogen market, we have a specialist hydrogen product you can buy from us. Um, details are on the website, um, www.rethinkresearch.biz. Um, first solar. I... Um, I managed to get Andrews kicking and screaming to actually pay some attention to First Solar, um, which since which he he hasn't looked at the financials, but um, during this the last twelve months, it's gone from a valuation of ten billion dollars to twenty billion. Uh, it's starting to show signs of being a shrewd investment um, in the way that Tesla started to. 
gain momentum over the other car companies in America. So, um, what's at the what's at the heart of this, uh, Andreas? Well, it's quite funny. You told me, hey, you should write an article about this, not in so many words, um, about a week ago. Uh, you know about First Solar's order backlog of modules and how that contrasts with its. Um, it, it had a backlog of about seventy gigawatts. Its manufacturing capacity is only ten gigawatts right now. So you were saying, how long? Just how far into the future does this backlog expand? And you know, aren't they surely they're going to have to open a new factory? And within a week, they announced another new factory, and the backlog also grew with some new orders to seventy eight gigawatts, and the new factory was three point uh, three point five, so pretty big. Um, so it's definitely uh, the, the news of the moment. And what you were saying about the financials. So First Solar is the, it's really the only non-Chinese solar manufacturer that is big. I suppose there's a couple of Indian companies that would complain about me saying that now, but uh, it has been the only large, um, the only really large one. I suppose there's, you know, there's a South Korean one that's on the order of a few gigawatts as well. Um, but it, 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 if you look in the top 10, it, it's China and then it's First Solar. So, and it's also the only big cadmium telluride company. So it's a different semiconductor to silicon. And it's all, you know, and it's, it's like 90% of cadmium telluride. And that also means it's the, um, it's the only large um, solar manufacturer that is not silicon. So, and, and it's in the US. So it's, it's very unique uh, in, in terms of its position. And that was true back in 2018. Uh, the big difference since then, of course, is uh, not just the subsidies, but also the trade war with China. So when you have the IRA building a solar manufacturing industry in the US, there's quite a few companies. There's quite a, quite a lot of people who might have the technology, who have the ideas, but First Solar is the first mover at, at a multi-gigawatt scale. So, and, so uh, not only, uh, let me interrupt you. So, so we've got a problem here in the sense that it's got to keep this other technology uh, telluride, CDTE, uh, up mm. with, with silicon. And yeah, it's got to do all the R&D itself. It hasn't got a, a bunch of Chinese companies and universities coming at it. it. It would be better if it could merge into the mainstream at some point, wouldn't it? Well, you can kind of twist it both ways because, yes, it, it is. there's a much smaller uh, R&D budget globally for cadmium telluride than for silicon, but by the same but that's already been baked into the cake. Uh, silicon has had so much R&D put into it that it is getting difficult to produce further results, notwithstanding the past two years. Um, but from now on, uh, after the switch to heterojunction, you kind of have to go to perovskites to improve silicon anymore. So, you know, silicon is just approaching its theoretical limit. Cadmium telluride, yes, it's lower um, efficiency than silicon, but its theoretical efficiency is higher, so there's more room to, uh, to, to, to produce R&D results. Uh, it's less explored, which it can be viewed as a good thing. And uh, First Solar's uh, R&D budget is, is, a, is quite large. It's, uh, they invested in a $270 million uh, facility just for that near its um, Ohio headquarters. It's still, it's still peanuts, though, compared to total China R&D budget. But I'm just going to parallel this. Yeah, I, I'm going to parallel this to, the, uh, to, to cellular. Um, the, the cellular revolution in 3G uh, in America and uh, uh, Korea was completely different technology from Europe, you know, wideband CDMA uh, and CDMA. And um, and eventually 
when they went to LTE, they kind of merged into a very similar uh, technology. So what when we go into tandems with um, Perovskite, as long as they, 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 yes, they'll do it with CDTE and, and others will do it with, um, with silicon, but um, it'll almost kind of merge into one uh, performance-wise. Well, I'm, I, I'm not entirely sure about its cadmium telluride silicon tandem. It had that announcement in 2022, and I tried to look for any updates on that, but I, I didn't really find well, much. Maybe Perovskite's replacing it. Maybe Perovskite's replacing it. They bought a Perovskite company, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so they announced the SunPower cadmium telluride with silicon tandem back in 2022. But then, since then, we haven't heard much about it, and then said they acquire Evelar uh, with a very large research team for perovskites. So maybe they've just switched to that. And I, I think one of the, I can't remember which, which um, semiconductor it is, it might be cadmium telluride, has a sort of similar band gap to perovskites, which is kind of inconvenient when you're putting them into a tandem. But then you remember that perovskite band gaps vary quite a lot, according to what formula you use. So it's probably, it's not really a huge problem. Yeah, but um, first solar could easily, because it's familiar with thin film solar, it could easily shift to a, um, a perovskite um, silicon tandem as well, instead of a CDTE perovskite tandem. It could end up offering all of the above. I mean, it, it, I don't think it would be too much of a stretch of technology for it to do that. I mean, yeah, I think they must be a very, very impressive company in terms of their technology, because you look at the Chinese trying to get into cadmium telluride, and for that matter, Cease, which is another thin film suitable uh, semiconductor, and it just has come to nothing, yeah. which is remarkable considering the immense scale of the Chinese um, solar industry as a whole, which is silicon, and there are no slouches for silicon research. But then with Cease, I looked it up and I found a Cease factory selling its equipment at auction and giving up the sales next week. Yeah. Uh, I found one cadmium telluride Chinese company that announced uh, a 1 billion investment into an up to a one gigawatt cadmium telluride factory back in 2019. And by the end of last year, they'd only reached 300 megawatts. And you know, it just seems like they're struggling. And you also look within the US, there's, um, I spoke to Toledo Solar, which is another cadmium telluride company, but their headquarters is also in Perrysburg, Ohio, and they hire a lot of the same people as cadmium <laughs> telluride. So, um, and also, back then, so this interview must have been maybe 20, early 2022, I don't remember when it was now, but back then they were saying to me, oh yeah, well, first solar only sells to the utility scale market. So what we've done is quite simply, we sell to uh, rooftops, we just have a different size. First solar is, is all large size. And being thin film uh, is really light. And, and since then, of course, Cambium Teller, um, first solar looks into the, the Tandem product with SunPower, which would be a rooftop, uh, and so with the Perovskite thing. Uh, and they're probably just doing straight up cadmium rooftop. I wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me. Uh, so I, I, I should probably ask Toledo Solar. So, so what's your agenda now? Because you were the first solar, but rooftop edition. But now first solar is doing rooftop. Right. Well, you, and also, by the way, you, you, they also got caught out uh, reselling some some actual first solar modules as their own. You, you've <laughs> so, listed a number of things that you've got to do, but I went to one of them is um, go and listen to the next quarter's results from first solar and and there will be clues to their strategy in that as well hmm. and i think there'll be more more analysts financial analysts chasing it and interested in where it's going but it, i think all of that shows how um they are quite uniquely powerful in terms of the research and in terms of what technology they have 
and in terms of being the biggest company outside of China, uh, you look at India. Like, is India going to be able to rival Chinese silicon products directly? I, I would never think so. Uh, certainly not for a long time. Uh, but who is there that does have a, a really different product? Well, it's first solar there in India as well. Um, so, it, so it's not surprising to bring it back to what you originally said uh, that their that their valuation has doubled because they're just in, a, in a, an exceptionally secure position. And you look at uh, you look at this trade war with China over raw materials. Uh, so, what's the next thing that's going to be escalated in, in in the trade war? What's the next thing that's going to be blocked for export or import? It's going to be something. And with every tightening of the screws on that, first solar just gets more and more uh, secure. Well, yeah, I mean, if China won't refuses to export um, the equipment that is used to make cells, then there's going to be a shortage of that in, in the, the ramp up. Whereas you come back to first solar and they don't need help from China. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, we keep an eye on, on first solar. And, uh, and if you can talk to them, talk to them uh, at a senior level if you can. Okay, so that's that's the main stories that we've covered this week. A couple of short ones, though. This was just a one-liner. Cummings and Tata have entered a partnership to spend $425 million to construct a hydrogen internal combustion engine factory in India. Now, that that says a lot. It says Cummings, the, the best diesel engine maker in the world, thinks that you can burn hydrogen um, to drive cars. India, Tata, you know, which offers, which is one of the largest conglomerates in India, agrees with them. Is this a new change in direction? Hard to say at this point. Um, I think they are aiming to manufacture the internal combustion engines, so hydrogen internal combustion engines for heavy trucking. So that's when there'll be a war between hydrogen and internal combustion engines and fuel cells. And how do we, how do we feel about that? I mean, uh, hydrogen uh, internal combustion will have some uh, greenhouse gas emissions. So I've talked to a couple um, companies, and I think at the last conference I went to, there was a bit of discussion around hydrogen fuel cell versus hydrogen internal combustion. And... The only places that they saw it likely to deploy hydrogen internal combustion was in heavily remote and industrial machinery. So things like mining machines and that kind of truck. It won't be a kind of mass-produced thing. I imagine this will only be a small truck for bespoke. Yeah, well, um, JCB in the UK, and they produce very large uh, building uh, vehicles. Um, that that you know that c- carry things and need massive amounts of power. They've they've cracked the or they say they've cracked the hydrogen internal combustion engine uh, as well, um, and that it has an advantage over the um, fuel cell version uh, in terms of uh, power per um, kilogram of hydrogen. It's just horrifically inefficient. So <laughs> it's the trade-off between increasing to have massive explosive kind of stop-start power versus having any level of fuel efficiency, which if you're lugging a few hundred tons of ores, then yeah, sure, that's... I mean, the funny thing about that was was that he said that um, his R&D team had managed to um, squeeze down the amount of oxygen that was used, therefore the amount of nitrous oxide that that comes out of the, uh, of the, of the reaction is almost negligible. So... Uh, I mean, until we actually see numbers on that and 
and and people get certificates to say it's they're safe enough um, and they're not they're not pollution they're not polluting badly um, we can't be sure but I mean it may be that there is a science there yeah I mean hydrogen combustion does produce NOx emissions so I don't know going back to what you said about getting certifications and stuff if it's the same people that you know advocated for fossil fuels for hundreds of years do we want to put our you know, <laughs> really. kind of trust in their heads again <laughs> no no but things like the epa in america you know they, they have a minimum nox emissions regulation so if you can get under yeah. that number then you can get a license to, to produce it yes and then volkswagen will come up with hydrogen internal combustion engine and fake the results of their tests and <laughs> get into another lawsuit 10 years down the road. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. very possibly. Very possibly. The other one, I, the other short item I saw um, was um, a battery story. Finished materials group. It's just the amount of money. Uh, and and it, it's going to partnership with China's East Spring Material Technology and as well as, and I can't quite work out the ownership structure here, the largest Chinese battery cathode maker, CNGR Advanced Material. Um, and they're going to spend 774 million euros building a, an active cathode materials factory in Finland. Yep. So this has been in negotiations since about 2018. Wow. And it's been taking God knows how long because, well, I, I would be surprised if the Finnish government wasn't involved to some degree just because of the sheer amount of money involved and the ownership structure being quite heavily Chinese. So for the cathode um, materials plant, it'll be 70-30 towards the Chinese company and then the Finnish materials group. In the, for the precursor plant, Finnish materials group is partnering with another Chinese company and that will be 60-40 to the Chinese oh, okay. company. I, think, yeah, I thought it was one transaction, so it's two separate transactions. Okay. It, it, this is two different joint ventures okay. with two different Chinese companies so, with different ownership structures. So, still both heavily Chinese. So is this for NMC cathodes? Uh, it doesn't say. Okay, so, I mean, when you say active material, we normally assume that they're NMC, don't we? Uh, it can be, well, it just... It can be either. Cathode okay. active material. Yeah. It, could right. be, it could be NMC, it could be LFP, right. okay. LMO. I mean, because this could be a backdoor route for Chinese technology into Europe. Um, you know, oh, absolutely. And, and therefore, you know, 50,000 tonnes, enough for 750,000 electric vehicles a year. Um, you know, it'll be welcomed by European manufacturers, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Car manufacturers. And it'll have the environmental credentials of operating in Northern Europe. Yeah, yeah. Where the clean energy is abundant. Yeah, okay. So it was a lot of money, and maybe the IRA and the Raw Materials Act has speeded up a long-term negotiation and made it come to fruition. So it needed to happen now. If it's been in, in negotiations since 2018, they obviously dusted it off and uh, made it happen immediately. Okay. All right. So you can read these stories. You can read a number of others in the issue at uh, rethinkresearch.biz. Click on energy and you'll be reading the uh, weekly issue. If you can't see all the words, it's because you're not a subscriber. To be a subscriber starts at around $2,000. This is a, a small outlay to know what's going on. And we'll be back next week with another edition of the podcast and another issue. Thank you very much.